0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Record Celtic Podcast. My name is Daniel Caw and I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports' Michael Gannon and Fraser Rowson,
1: guys. How are you?
2: Good, thanks. Afternoon, boys.
0: How are we? Very well. Good afternoon. This is my my favourite way to spend a lunchtime with with you two gents. Um, And obviously, we've got plenty to talk about this week, obviously, since we did a a Celtic podcast last time. uh, Michael, maybe we start with yourself. Um, Celtic are into the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup now. They saw... Wraith Rovers, as you'd probably expect, but I thought it was really interesting, Ange Porstokoglu's manner and demeanour after the game.
2: Yeah, we got a a review of um, Grumpy Ange after the game. Um, Kind of strange. It was, um, we held them during the game, the first half, it was quite a low-key kind of tie. I mean, Parkhead was kind of half-empty, or half-full, however you want to look at it. Um, Certainly we weren't great the first half, we bit slow going through the gears. But Poster Cogler was, was absolutely doing his dinger on touchline at times. Shouting the ball the, I mean, it, was so, it was so quiet at times. You hear him shouting and balling. Turning the, turning the air blue at times. A bit of lack of urgency in the team. Second half much better. Came to life. Brought on the um, likes of Jota and Meda. Come on, made, made a difference, so to speak. Won the game quite comfortably. a oh, the decisions from the referee right enough along the way. And then after the game, he came in to uh, talk to the media as always. And kinda of, and kind of let rip really. Kind of give his, his team a bit of a, a bit of a roasting in public. Um last it was it was but you, you know what he's doing. It's it's good management. He's just letting his squad know the standards are set high and he won't let them dip. I think maybe the second half against Aberdeen they weren't quite at it. First half against Wraith they weren't quite at it. Um I think he wanted just to give them a little bit of a, a jolt. They've been getting quite a lot of platitudes and um, a lot of praise of late, the way they've been playing, and managers don't like that. They like a squad a bit of an edge on them, so I think he's he's given them a bit of a a bit of the backside to to kind of, to go again. Um, by all accounts, um, players that don't really reveal much about um, time team talks and dressing rooms and that stuff. But I think I think the manager had a few choice words to say at halftime on on Sunday. Um, but he knows he's got big games ahead. I mean, Bodo on on Thursday night is huge and he can't afford to have a flat performance. They have to be bang on it again, like they were in the first half against Rangers. Um, so that's just the manager letting them know that, that it's not all tickety-boo, and it's still, still work to be done.
0: Right, absolutely. And Fraser, we, we've had the um, story on um, Record Sport Online since Sunday, that the clap of Ange, where he's very, you can hear him, you know, above all the fans that were in the stadium, right. I think it was Stephen Welsh who passed it backwards. And
1: right. it, just, it just kind of underlines, as Mick says, he's... he's Incredibly high standards. Aye, I I love that stuff. I think if you listen very clearly, I'm sure he still punctuates it with the word mate at the end of every (laughs) sentence. But um, no, mixed bang on. You know, managers are intelligent that way. The the good ones wait for the right moment to have maximum impact. And I think this is the perfect time coming into the so-called business end of the season where uh, has just thought, right, that was nowhere near the standards I set and it's time to give these boys a boot up the backside, and um, as Mick said, if that was interesting, I would have loved to have been a, a fly in the wall, at half time, full time, half time in particular. Mm-hmm. But no, it's all, it's all about choosing the right time to have that maximum impact. And uh, we all know Postecoglou's way of playing. And if it, I mean, if if the Rangers' performance was one end of the spectrum, that that probably was the other end of the spectrum that first forty-five against Wraith. So it's just driving this team forward ahead of the, the, the run of huge games that Mick mentioned there. One one player that I think
0: it stood out almost like um, a crossroads game for me was Mikey Johnson. Now, he's 22 now. We all know that he just can't seem to escape injuries. He came off injured again uh, in the second half of the weekend. And I, I do feel like, you know, I feel really bad for him, as I'm sure a lot of Celtic fans do. But there comes a point, I don't know what you think, Mick, where, I don't know, he's still got two years left in his deal, but is it maybe... Time
2: for him to look elsewhere, try and revitalise his career. First, I don't know. It's uh, it's, a, it's a kind of, I feel kind of, I feel sorry for for Mickey Johnson. I, I was at the um, I was down south in pre-season when he played against. I think it was Bristol City's um, training ground. It's a bounce game, one of um, the manager's first games in charge in pre-season, and he get a, a bad one and he came off. And he was right in front of us and he could see him going. Oh, he said, "Oh no, not again." Um, and he was devastated because he knew he had another injury, and that's been the kind of table for him the last couple of years. He's been constantly injured. Um, everybody knows he's got ability. I mean, everyone's seen it. But as you say, he's now twenty-two. Again, he looked pretty upset going off again and on Sunday. It, it was it was kind of saw his law. I mean, he beats a couple of guys, gets to the byline, um, gets him behind sorry and crosses it, and a chance was missed. But then it turns out that he was offside and gets injured as well, you think, God, if that doesn't just sum up Mikey Johnson's last couple of years, I mean, he, he, he's, he gets himself all side for a start, which he shouldn't be when he's out wide, but he gets he gets in behind, gives a chance, but it comes to nothing and he's injured. You're like, oh man, it's so, so not again. So, uh, I think time is running out for him a wee bit. See, he's got a contract at Celtics, so he's still got time to, to you kind know, of make an impact, but you think by now, Everyone who spoke about him, Mikey Johnson was talked about as a 14, 15, 16-year-old. Remember the, the big fight with Ireland to get him. Right. Um, Scorpion, Scotland Island over his services. He was they did find a, a big prospect. I think he could have the fall in the footsteps of guys like Aidan McGady and Sean Maloney, that kind of that kind of elk. But he's he's not quite got to that level. Um, but Matt, listen, successor managers have liked what they seen with him. I mean, Brendan Rogers liked him, and Len I liked him and First cobbler spoke highland in the summer. Also, especially Lennon and, and Rogers also were on top of him quite often about his um not saying attitude, but maybe the, maybe his training, his, his way he treats training and all that stuff and his his uh, application at times. Um maybe it came too easy for him. But I think he did knuckle down in, in, in the background and he did force himself back in. But these injuries now are just kind of piling up and he's now become an injury prone player. He's just not played enough. It's a guy man, he started the cup final, remember. Aye, aye, Um So he's not exactly been completely in the, in the bomb squad. Um, but he's injured again. We don't know yet what the kind of severity is of this injury, but if it's another long-term one, then you, you, can have, you think run running out of chances now at Celtic because he can't bank on him being available. The, the other thing as well, Fraser, about Mikey Johnson is that, like
0: makes like says, he's undoubtedly talented. He's a really talented player. And it was, I forget what year it was, but I remember there was a pre-season under Brendan Rodgers where it looked like Johnson was going to be a really key player for Celtic. Aye. And it's hard for me to, you know, I sort of said it's time for it to move on, but then it's, you know, he's just had no luck with injuries. And when he goes off at the weekend
1: and Jota comes on and does so well, that must have almost made it doubly kind of painful for him. There's levels isn't there. I mean, you mentioned the two players there. Can you really mention Mikey Johnson on the same level as Jota? Think, mm-hmm. Ma- Mike, uh, Michael mentioned there that the, his uh, demeanor when he was coming off, and it was a, it was a real shame for him. It actually made me think it looked like he knew himself is possibly in last chance saloon at Celtic. He's it, definitely got that piece of magic, hasn't he? Which, which means he could be a valuable player for the run-in this season. Um, coming off the bench, Spartan Celtic to life if they need that piece of magic. But um, long-term, I, I just don't think Mikey Johnston, who's well, turn 23, I think, before the end of the season, I, I don't think he's quite at the level that Celtic need going forward. Or, Postecoglou needs going forward, and as as Mick said, he has been on the radar for coming up for a decade now. So it'll not be that long till he's midway through his playing career, and maybe for himself, the best thing would be to get a move, a fresh start elsewhere. He, he was linked with Aberdeen, wasn't he, in the last last transfer window? A loan move up north and something like that, just a fresh start, fresh management, could be the best thing for him and and Celtic as well. Well, hopefully
0: he's not out for too long hopefully it's not a bad one but I suppose time will tell where Mikey Johnson ends up but another player that I was quite impressed with against Ray Throvers at the weekend um, and I've been impressed with every time I've seen him really was Liam Scales um, at left back and I know Greg Taylor has been much more improved in his form this season I think but if I was um, Ange Postacoglu and there was a Cup final tomorrow say, so I'm not so sure who you go with I don't know what do you think Mick?
2: No, I think you go with Greg Taylor. Was, <laughs> uh, I think Greg Taylor's a international defender, and he's played played well against playing Belgium and all these teams and all that stuff. He played in Europe. Uh, he's a good. I mean, uh, he's he's come back to injury. He's been really, really weak playing playing well. Um, Greg Taylor. So I think he is the, uh, the main man in that position at the moment. Um, I think Scales has got a lot of potential. I mean, he's scored an absolute cracker. Mm. Um, but he's still he'll make himself. He's still learning that and still learning to play at a club like Celtic. Still learning the role obviously the fullback roles at the Celtic we know aren't the, the typical of fullback roles. Um, I mean, the fact that he scored, he popped up in the inside left channel and puts one in the top corner. That's not that's not a position that left-backs tend to end up um, unless you're playing with Celtic where you end up in there quite a lot. Um, at times, I think he's looked good. He's got a good delivery on him. He's putting some decent balls when he's played. And scored a couple of goals now as well. So I think he looks the part. I mean, he's got, he's got, I mean, he's got the height, physique. Um, I think there's a lot of development still to come in him, so I think there is a prospect. I don't think he's maybe got that 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 pace and engine as yet. Um, I think with Greg Taylor, is, he, he'll, he'll charge up and do that flank all day as well. Um, but that that may come. I mean, he's, he's only young. He's not been he's not been that long in, in professional football. Um, Liam Scales either, so he, he's he's still on a beam in, in that sense. So he's a good prospect. I think is I think um, I think he's in the right place. I think he'll learn a lot with the game. An all-round game playing with this, this Celtic squad because I think the, the demands on the fullbacks are so high he'll become an all-round better player for it because um, there's not many fullbacks that get the ball on the half turn and um, usually it's all in front of them they charge, they charge up the line and back they're always straight lines fullbacks aren't they and um, they don't tend to kind of have a back to go at any point in time whereas it's Celtic you do because you're in the middle of the park taking about your feet and asking it to turn and then passing it, pass it on which is not what fullbacks tend to do there's a reason why they play a I mean, that's that's They're just running straight lines all day. Um, that's, that's 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 their, their, their top from the 11 years old. As, as a field right-back, I can confirm that it's true. Right? That, that is. Listen, field-backs aren't taught to take the ball in a half-turn. This this just it's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's not something in Scotland they would do. Maybe in Holland when it's total football. Um, it's different, different in Scotland. Even post Posta
1: Coglu at the wheel. I've not seen that more and more. The so called inverted fullback. That's
2: what I'm saying. This is what yeah. I to do, Fraser. I mean listen, listen know yourself, when you're if you're when you're playing goal, you'd never roll a ball out to a a, a fullback who's thirty yards in the field but he's back at the middle of the park. The guy would the guy would come back and berate you for it.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't roll, roll a fullback a ball out to any fullbacks I've played with anyway, Mike.
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's true. I feel I really feel yeah. If, um, if obviously I,
0: I, I do get that, but it may be a wee bit early to, to call skills and as a as a first pick. But if anything, Fraser, it kind of underlines the the new strength and depth at Celtic have. Because I remember there was a game just be- just before Christmas when they played Hearts at Celtic Park and they won one nil. Kyogo scored a, a dubious offside goal, but they were really hanging on and they were really down to the bare bones. Remember, I think is it um, Michael Dawson's nephew? I forget his first name now, which is really bad. But remember, he was in the squad. He started the game as well. And you almost thought, Celtic really need to get to the January transfer. And now, they've got, you know, a plethora of options. We saw the financial results the other day, 25 million quid in the bank. And it almost looks
1: as though they've got all that money there and they've almost done the rebuild, kind of. uh, I suppose a lot of what we're saying, the, the one uh, clear area they needed to strengthen was left back not so long ago. Is that right? And um, <laughs> I, I hate agreeing with Mick and everything. But it's Greg Taylor all day long for oh, me. Makes not so much sense. That's I know. I mean, well, will I just leave this podcast now and leave it to the main man? Aye. Greg, <laughs> Greg Taylor all day long for me. What's that? I keep trying to get you to follow. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'll just say Liam Scales then. He's got more physicality about him, maybe. can fill in at centre-half. I Liam Scales, he should be playing left-back. But no, I do feel like Graham, Graham Taylor. No, that would be a turn-up for the books. Greg Taylor. Has had a bit of a raw deal at Celtic. Is it's never quite won over the fan base yet. But I think if he was to get a, a solid run in the team, he could be a Celtic left back for, for years to come. I mean, as, as Mick rightly says, he's a Scotland international for a reason. It gives you at both ends, I think. Um he was always a player that caught my eye at Kilmarnock. Um and for me, is he's the best option there out of that squad and a right solid Scottish Premiership football.
0: No, no, I think that's good enough, to be to be honest. Um, the other things I wanted to talk about, one of the most read stories we've had on Record Sport online um, away from Sunday's game is reigning uh, MLS champion Ronnie Dyler. He's been talking about his time at Celtic. Um, and he's kind of, I don't know if I'd put it as owned up a wee bit, but said that too many of his signings were just average. That was the word he used to describe it. Um, and I almost feel like Ronnie Dylers became a bit of a cult hero at Celtic. But see if you actually look at his team, Pretty, it's pretty rotten to me, honestly. Colin Kazim Richards and
1: Carlton Cole up front. and I don't know. I, th- I thought his comments were pretty spot on, to be honest. He also had your Dedrick Bayata. He, he never got the same tune out of Scott Brown that Brendan Rodgers did. Stuart Armstrong, Craig Gordon and goals. He didn't have that bad a team. I mean, Dyke, what was his word? Virgil van Dijk. When, ah. when, when
0: Rodgers came in, after, he didn't really change that much of the team. He brought in a couple of quality players, Sinclair and Dembele. I just feel like nostalgia kind of plays tricks in the mind a wee bit. I feel like Dyla's lauded a wee bit when, in actual fact, the team's pretty ropey. Well, what was his words, Roy he and just, He just admitted that uh, he had an ab- too many average players to be successful
2: the way that Ange now is. I don't I don't think he got quite the same financial backing that, that Rodgers and uh, Lennon and, and now Poster Cobbles had since then, purely because of the circumstances that he found himself in with... Um, Listen, there was, no, there was no Rangers in the league those two seasons. Um, so there was, I'm thing there was downsizing. There was a bit more kind of um, uh, caution in terms of uh, the finances at that point in time. The Celtic didn't go hell for leather as such um, in terms of the, the league. But he had some good players. I think they done okay. I mean, I, I, I really liked um, Ronnie Dial as a, as a guy. I, mean, I dealt with him quite a lot and he was um, an absolute gem of a guy. I think the job was too big for him at that time. He only, I think it was only 38 at the time as well. Um and he told us once, we asked him maybe a few months in the job about the, the, the kind of media scrutiny he was under at Celtic. And he said, we worked at Strom Godset. He said, once a week, some guy would come up from Oslo, some reporter, he have a cup of tea and sit and do his pre-match press in his office. <laughs> and he walked in at Celtic, there was about 100 journalists the first day. But <laughs> um, he handled that pretty well. I thought he'd done okay. I, I said, I don't quite... I, there's a kind of story the story now goes that he was denied a treble by the referee not sure i quite buy that either because it's like all right it's a poor decision um but i don't know not not getting a penalty and doesn't mean you're going to get you have to put, to lose the games you know i mean um i mean the man sent off that didn't kate gorgia sent off that day, didn't he mm-hmm. yeah. had a final, that was only the same final, wasn't it as well yeah um, yeah um, but I, I i don't quite subscribe to that and and, and by the way i think i don't know everything at that time I think the 10 players sent off in two seasons, under, or I think it was 10 11 players sent off uh, in two seasons. I think they won three of the games, and the following two seasons there were about three or four guys sent off under Ben and Rogers and never lost a game with 10 men, including going to Ibrox as well, um, which is basically the sign of a good manager. If you, if you can win with 10 men, it's probably, it's probably management. Um, so, listen, Ronnie, I said, a good guy, won't hear much of a bad word against him. I don't think he should be loaded to some sort of managerial great. Done well since he he, he left New York, obviously. Um, I think he's right to say that he did have some average players that come in, but uh, again, I think he did have some pretty decent ones as well. Um, I think Fraser I think said that. Stuart Armstrong, Van Dykes, and these kind of guys. But Tom Rodrick, didn't he? No, hey, Tom hey. Rodrick. All so, oh, these guys were all there. Yeah. Um, one of the one, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this as well, just because I don't want to a big
0: can of worms, right? But Ronnie Gilat and people like me doing the Ronnie Rod and stuff like that, you just get a wee bit of a pet peeve, like about stuff like that. It's all like style, and there wasn't much substance behind it. And another one as well, like who's just became a, a massive cult hero for Celtic fans. And I'm going to get tons of stick for this, I know, but Arthur Borich, right? He was brilliant for a you year. Can he,
2: you just, he, pick it, can you just pick it in fans' favourites and just letting them just just like you just like Actually, I should have gone down this road. Peter Lansford, by the way. Peter
0: Latchford <laughs> <laughs> uh, We may edit this out. If this is still how far, is far
2: far back, how far back are we going to,
0: we're going to go? With the guys you just don't like. I just on, on social media, I always feel like Bored Just still regardless hero. He was great for a year, but I felt like for about two years, every time he played, he was throwing the ball in the back of the net and just wasn't interested and wasn't a great pro. And I feel like Dyla, when he, when I read his coach yesterday, I, I kind of felt like I he maybe just kind of gets a wee bit of a, a you kind of loaded by Celtic fans who maybe doesn't deserve it. And i I I get I'm being a wee bit harsh and I realise I will get a lot of stick, but Fraser if you could be only Ronnie alone, leave Ronnie,
2: Ronnie's a good guy, leave. I'm right.
1: more surprised at the after Boric after Boric yeah. one. The guy was the genius it. between the sticks. Oh, I used to do my right. team, the best goalkeepers make the best blunders, and the odd blunder he made was absolutely top drawer. <laughs> um, so,
2: uh, oh definitely I definitely agree with that one for us. <laughs>
1: John
0: Rankin Squiggler. <laughs> um obviously a big game that we've mentioned uh, coming up on Thursday in the Europa Conference League. Um again another really well-read story on Record Sport Online last week was about how since the knockout draws have been made, twenty-five percent of all bets to win the conference league has been Celtic. People backing Celtic to go all the way. Now, Mick, if we'd said in the summer Celtic would be, you know, amongst some of the best back teams to go and a European
2: trophy. You know, you've been taking away in a straight jacket. Oh, without a doubt. They've I mean, came a long way since the summer, right enough. I mean, the whole entire team's changed since then. Uh, I think that's a, bit, it's a wee bit early to start talking about winning this competition. Nah. I mean, I think you look at there's still Roma, Marseille, Leicester are in there. Um, Richelund. Richelund, Fenebache. Um, PSV. That's a strong yes, line yes, isn't he, it? He, there's, there's, there's some tasty sides in there. It depends on how, how, how serious they treat it as well. Because, let's be honest, that is the kind, of, uh, the kind of weird half-cousin competition, isn't it? It's, it's, we don't really know what where this is in the priority list. When these teams, A lot of these teams might be competing to get into a, a Champions League spot at that time, so they might not be that bothered about the Europa Conference League. So that could open the door. But then again, Celtic, Celtic could be going for the league title at that point in time, and that may, might not be the priority at that point either. Um I think it probably should be because it's a European competition, it's a chance to, to keep going. Um, I always think Europe should be the, the big priority, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um and even winning, I think winning it like, gets a place in the Europa League next year. So even that isn't really the reward that, that, that anyone would really be after. Um and that's a boo prize for, for, for teams like Celtic and Rangers in Scotland. Um but they can of look beyond Bodo uh, Bodo Glint um, because it's a difficult tie. Um, against a, a, a team that's done really well in the last kind of, two years. Um, listen, they've, they've been kind of pillaged a little bit um, in recent times. I mean, the, the, the team that, that beat Roma 6-1, um, they've lost a couple of players. They lost their captain, the uh, boy Berg, and, uh, and the main striker went to Krasnodar for four and a half million quid at Um So they've, they've been seriously weakened in, in January. They're also in pre-season mode. They haven't played a competitive game since uh, December. The season doesn't start till April. Um, but they've got this. They've, they're, they're one of these fashionable teams in Europe right now. Um they're, they're, They they're play a certain way. They're, they're, they're strong, aggressive. I went to see them on a, on a spy trip, and they're, they're, they're pretty big. They're massive as well, um, which puts Celtic. I think in danger of the old um, those set piece problems again they've had at times, Um and they will play a certain way. I think I think they actually play kind of similar to Celtic as well. They go four three three, can up and at them kind of thing. Um, so I think they'll have a right good go. Um so it could be another I think it could be one another one of these European ties that Celtic now seem to be seven up every week. It's uh, the, the kind of bonkers <laughs> any any score will do type thing. Um so it could be interesting.
0: If Fraser the we recording this on Tuesday, and today is the four-year anniversary of Celtic's last victory in any kind of knockout, European tie. I think I'm right in saying that. It was the one-not one against Zenit. Mm-hmm. Before that, their last knockout win was in 2004 against Barcelona. Now, for a club like that's Celtic,
1: that's, that's not good enough. I would say, like, like Mick says, I think there's more emphasis on European competition. Especially when you think of the likes of Copenhagen and Aye. some of the teams have crashed out to. Nah, um, so Mick's got the advantage. I haven't seen Bodo Glimpton in the flesh. Um, I've only read about them and what I've read about them, they have lost to star men. They sound like a typical do sound ignorant to the fact here, but they do sound like a typical Scandinavian side that will pose problems. I think if Celtic go at this game 100%, they really should be looking to take a, a two or three goal lead over to uh, the second leg with them. Um, and I think the prestige that would come from getting deep into this competition in its uh, inaugural year uh, is worth Is worth its weight, it's worth Celtic putting everything into this competition because further you go in Europe, it it has knock-on effects for the domestic game as well and I just think it would keep their season uh, rolling along quite nicely. Uh, But in terms of this tie, treat it with the utmost respect and uh, I think Celtic should be looking at a comfortable victory to take over to the second leg with them. Oh, I think I, I, I think can see um, your face there, Michael. You've seen this. You've seen those. They're basically coming out the the pre-season, though. That you've got to look at that as well. You're
2: giving this lot. Of, no, I'd never heard of this mob? Should be we, we getting clattered. Um, <laughs> that does sound a bit ignorant, doesn't it? It's a team that's won the, the, the title in Norway two years in the bounce, and worth the, worth they, worth they, worth they, they drew two each in the, um, the Stadio Olympico against Roma, as well as beating them six one at home.
1: Is it the same team though?
2: No. <laughs> no. Well, it's pretty much the same. The same same but uh, nuts and bolts aye and is that not the captain they're a good side they, they say they play that they don't they do they play their own their own way that's not quite the same way we'd expect like a rosenberg to play and all that stuff it's it's a bit like it's a bit like the old orange ball that's hurtick's doing it now as well it's, um, um the manager's got a bit about him he's um i understand why there's a lot of talk about him because, because of the continent because he is doing something a bit different. Um, nobody really tells you what they're actually doing. A lot, a lot is analytics, um, a lot of psychology. They got a guy. They got a guy who was in the Norwegian Air Force, a pilot, who is now their their motivational coach or something like that. So um, he comes in and he, he, he tells them how to be with to Top Guns and all that stuff. But um, but I so they they just think outside the box. This this team and they're, they're going to be really dangerous. I, I think it could be one of these two weeks, three two jobs. And Thursday night. I think it could be one of these kind of um, end-to-end kind of thrillers. But um, if, you're I if, you're right, if you're right for us and it's 3-0, it would snap the hand off right here now. But I I, I I think it'll be tougher than that.
1: I think if it's 2 all or even 3-2 then it could be good night for sale checking this competition. I think they need something a bit confierter than that to take across for them. Maybe. Maybe. No
2: way goals right now. number. Oh. Ah, does it doesn't count. I get that. I, know. Um, I don't... I, I don't think it'll be I mean, conditions out there are, are, are I think are t- pretty tough as well. It's Arctic Circle. Mm. Um but I don't think I think it's it's weirdly not that cold. As I say relative, it's not it's not like minus twenty. Um it's only like minus ten or not. It's not actually it's not that bad. But I think it's a it's a, it's a kind of windy venue. It's it's not gonna be a terrifying atmosphere mm. out there. Um I think I think both games will be the same. I think both think are will be hell for leather. about absolute bun fight. How how about this for a scenario, right?
0: Leicester struggling in the Premier League, eleventh. rogers under a wee bit of pressure. Celtic Leicester in the last sixteen. Celtic put them out. Any chance <laughs> that will happen? Look at both your faces. Just that for, <laughs> leave, that that leave that for the final. Oh, that would be good. That'd be good. Leicester I've got Randers of Denmark, just for what it's worth. Um, I'm going to put you both in the spot before we finish because I know he's like when I do that. So, Mike,
2: will Celtic get through the tie? I think they will, but it's going to be a rollercoaster ride. I think it could be something ridiculous in terms of scoreline. <laughs> what Would you think, Susan? Seven, 7-5 seven, or something,
1: silly. <laughs> that's the <laughs> two-goal that, two advantage I spoke about. Uh, well, I've got to stick to my guns now, haven't I? Um, I don't know, 3-1 across the two legs to Celtic.
0: For what it's worth, I, I can agree with you, Mick, I think. Remember the Clues try a couple of years ago? It was just, just crazy. What was yeah.
2: that?
0: That was like six four in aggregate or something like that. Something silly. Um, and I think, I think, I think it'll be goals. I think it'll be a good game
1: anyway. On Thursday. I think Celtic have seriously tightened up at the back and are now no longer the jokers That's uh, crazy, man. That, that they were once uh, accused of. Joe Hart's influence in that team's massive. I just, I just think <laughs> it might sound like I'm completely ignorant to Bodo Glimpton and many respects. I suppose I am, but. I can see Celtic getting a a two-goal advantage to take across to Norway, which will be eh, enough to see them through.
0: Sorry, I meant to ask this just before, but Mike,
2: do you think Christopher Julian will play any part? No. Nah, just too soon? Too soon. We all played, what, 15 minutes the other day. Just thought when you were saying there about set pieces that he might be quite handy to have, but I no, no, um, no, I, I don't. I wouldn't have thought so. I think he's still, he's still a bit away yet. He needs to build up a bit. I think it's good to see him back for, um, for the guy personally. It's a, it's a long time, fourteen months. Um, but I think, it, I think it's too big a game to, to throw him into from the start. And plus, listen, um, Cameron Carter-Vickers and, Carter and, and Carstairs have played pretty well. Um, they've been, they've been, they've been you know, excellent domestically. Um, Europe's a different level. And Celtic and Europe have been kind well done and wacky at times this season. Um, obviously the first half of the season there were a lot of, lot of problems in terms of personnel, which meant it was always going to be a bit well and wacky. But, uh, so it been interesting to see it. I think Celtic could, could do a kind of more mature performance like like was talking about and, and a 2-0 win or something like that would, would, be, um, would be ideal. But I just think the way Bordeaux play, they might not allow it. And I think Celtic might just think it's, it's best just go toe-to-toe and see who's got the best firepower in that case, I think Celtic would would have the edge. Um but that could mean that there will be goals at, at either end. Um which is that's what I'm supposed to call it quite likes. If Celtic one three, one, four, two, seven, five, or whatever it is. A 10 a ten twenty one as we had when I was a kid. <laughs> um I think he'd be quite happy with that. So uh yeah, it struck myself in. Right,
0: fingers crossed it'll be a, a great game. Um Max Rainer, it's <laughs>
2: Stick the house on nothing each now. I know. Put the mortgage on nothing each.
0: <laughs> um, Matt, Fraser, as, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining, and for everyone listening, we'll be back next week. Cheers.